You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Amen. Well, good morning. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it to Luke 6, Luke chapter 6 and Orangeville. Hello. Good morning. You guys can open your Bibles to Luke 6 too. They're watching online if you forgot that we're doing that, so that's kind of exciting. Tonight, uh, this morning, we are going to just take a couple minutes before we jump into Luke 6 to give you a little bit of direction of where we're going to be going this summer. Uh, This summer, we're going to be doing a series called Summer Stories, the Parables of Jesus. Uh, Throughout the summer, we're going to look at some of the different um, stories and illustrations that Jesus gave while he was here on this earth. Jesus did a lot of preaching while he was here on this earth, preached a lot of sermons, and they were all perfect. That must be nice. Um, But often in his preaching, excuse me, he would give illustrations or tell stories that had a spiritual or eternal meaning or significance. And so that's what a parable is. And that's what we're going to be studying together. Uh, Myself, some of the other pastors here, and then some of the guest preachers uh, faces and names that you will recognize as they come in. Because God's word has something for us. We should not neglect it. We should go after it. Some of these parables and these stories that Jesus tells are not easy to just pick up. And they're a little bit more challenging. So that's why we're going to study them together. And hopefully it will be encouraging to you. So Luke 6, hopefully you're there. We're going to look at the last, (coughs) excuse me, the last four verses of this chapter. And um, this, to give you a little context, Luke 6 is sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. You're like, I've never heard of that. I've only heard of the Sermon on the Mount. That's because only Bible scholars really call it the Sermon on the Plain. But it's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount. It happened, though, at a different time in a different location. So we're fairly confident that it's not the same sermon. However, Jesus does say a lot of similar things in both of these two sermons, which if you've ever heard a preacher and you're like, I think I've heard him preach this before. Even Jesus preached the same message more than once. All right. Um, Now, He wraps up both of these sermons with the same illustration, almost the same. He words it a little differently. And so we're going to look at Luke's today. So read along with me, verses 46 through 49. Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I'll show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. The point that Jesus is making in this illustration, in this story, is about building our lives on a firm foundation. Our lives need to be built on a firm foundation if we are going to weather the storms of this life or the next. A firm foundation is really important, right? Hopefully all of your houses had firm foundations. Over the last few weeks, you didn't have any surprises with all of the rain that you had. Before I worked on staff at the church here, I framed houses, and I had the opportunity to look inside 36 basements. Because when you're new framing houses, you don't usually get to leave the basement. You spend a lot of time down there. All of them had firm, concrete, solid foundations that some engineer had designed and and made so that water would flow away, right? That's important when we're building a house. You wouldn't build a house without a firm foundation, so why should we ever think we can build our lives without a firm foundation either? 
There is one firm foundation for us to build our lives on, one who is trustworthy, one whose directions are always sure. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, you know the end of the hymn? Is sinking sand. Way to go, way to go. Nothing else in this world is as secure or as trustworthy as Jesus and as obeying Jesus because storms are going to come. The waters will break against life and the foundations of our lives will be tested. So if you're here today and you say, well, I believe in Jesus, Jesus says to all of us, well, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Matthew Henry wrote this, we are cheating ourselves if we think that a bare or simple profession of religion will save us, that hearing the sayings of Christ will bring us to heaven without doing them. Jesus, here at the end of his sermon, he's kind of saying, listen, thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you paid attention but what will you do with what I have said? Matthew Henry goes on and says, it's not just our words or even moral or ethical or religious behavior that mark a true believer, but what we do with Jesus' words and how we believe in him. If we believe that Jesus is the Lord, then we must obey him. That's what verse 46 is telling us. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not obey me? So if you believe that he is Lord, then you need to obey him. Well, why would we call him Lord, Lord? Well, we would call him Lord, Lord, and that word Lord is ascribing complete authority to him. So why would we give him all of that authority in our lives? Well, we do it because of his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that while we were stuck apart from God, he came to this earth, laid down his life, died on a cross, rose from the dead to reconcile us to God. No one loves you like that. No one then should be as trustworthy as the one who's made a way for your problem, your consequences, your ultimate storm, the wrath of God to be removed. No one is reliable like Jesus. So then it would make sense for us to call him Lord. It would make sense then for us to submit to him. It's hypocritical though to think that we can be a Christian, we can be saved by grace through faith, and not do what he says. Jesus isn't looking for lip service. He's not looking for people to just say that they love him, but not live for him. The two things go together. Jesus is not looking for people to just sit in pews. So glad that you're here this morning on a long weekend too. Way to go, way to go. You didn't make it to the early service, but you're here. There's lots of grace, all right? I don't know what we'll do with the people in the next service, but... The point is that it's more than just listening, and it's more than just what we say. It comes from our heart, and it's lived out in our lives. And so Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And then he goes on, and he begins to unpack what that looks like, and he uses this illustration. He uses this illustration of someone building a house. Now, in verse 47, he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. So now in verses 47 and 48, he's describing the person who genuinely has a firm foundation fixed on Jesus, who calls him Lord and obeys him. Now in verse 47, there are three imperatives that we're going to see that are key to calling him Lord and obeying. So if you're going to call him Lord and obey, which results in a firm foundation of your life fixed on Jesus, then three things need to be happening. Look there at the beginning of verse 47. The first one, he says, everyone who comes to me, just stop there. 
So if you want to make Jesus your Lord and obey him, you have to, point number one, you have to go after Jesus. The number one first criteria, the first point that Jesus wants to make, if he is going to be the authority in your life, is that you need to come to him. This isn't describing just like casually rolling into church once a month. This is talking about an active pursuit, not occasionally, but continually going after Jesus, coming to him intentionally. You're like, well, how do you know that? Because these people just went to this one service on the plane. How do you know that it's more than just casually going to church? Well, the illustration that he gives shows us that. So verse 47, read along with me. Whoever comes to me and hears my word and does them, I'll show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. Just pause there for a second. Did you notice the amount of effort and intention that had to go into that? If you're going to build a house, if you're going to be thoughtful about this, and you're going to have a firm foundation, you're going to have to build, you're going to have to dig deep to get to the rock. A foundation doesn't just magically appear. A big hole down to rock that you can lay your life on, Jesus Christ, isn't just going to happen. It takes effort and it takes intention. In the same way, Jesus is making this point for our lives that we need to, if we are genuine in calling him Lord, actively be going after and pursuing him. In the same way, you have to actively and intentionally work to dig a hole for a foundation. Have you ever dug a hole? And I don't mean just like a tiny little hole in your freshly turned garden to plant some peonies or some like perennials or whatever it is that you, I mean like you're digging a hole that the whole shovel's gonna go down into. You're probably gonna have to cut some root from a tree that's growing, who knows, maybe a kilometer away. You're gonna hit some rocks and it's gonna be tough labor, right? We've done this, you know, you do this to you know, put a, a pole up for a fence or to put a basketball hoop up or your wife wants three trees specifically in spots across the back of your yard. And so you've got a, all of this effort, right? This back-breaking, sweat-producing, blister-popping, callous-forming effort and intention. Listen, Jesus is glad you came. He's glad that they came. But he doesn't want your interactions with him to be a casual experience. Jesus wants you to intentionally pursue and come to him actively, regularly. So what does that look like? Well, it means showing up to church. So good job. That's step one. But it's more than that. It's more than just showing up once a week, hopefully every week, but coming with God's word. It's also coming to him on your own, getting in God's word throughout the week. Yes, take a break from all the busyness in the summer. Yes, enjoy vacation. But don't take a break. Don't ignore the daily prioritizing of God and his word. So Jesus says in verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? There's this emphasis there with the double, he says it twice. The point that he's getting at is like, if I'm really the boss, if I'm really the authority, it would be hypocritical then not to listen right? It's like saying, Jesus, you're the boss, but I'm never coming to work. Well, how are you going to know what he wants you to do? How are you going to know how to live? How are you going to know what you're supposed to do? We need to go after Jesus. We need to not neglect him this summer. I want to encourage you some, to, to some of you, this is something that you have not been doing. You have not come actively and intentionally. You've come to church, 
but you haven't come actively and intentionally. You read your Bible many days of the week, but not with any hunger, not with any desire to really hear from the Lord. And, and Jesus is pointing us to this. We need to actively pursue him. And so I want to encourage you, maybe this summer you need to decide, you know what I'm going to do for July and August. It's July 2nd, right? I should remember that. Yesterday was July 1st. I'm going to read the Gospels for the summer. Or I'm going to pray my way through the Psalms. And I'm going to actively, intentionally go after the Lord. Because the person who has Jesus Christ, who has the Lord as a foundation, and who is making him Lord authority and seeking to obey him will do this. They will go after Jesus. Jesus says, this is that kind of person, the one who comes after me. Now he says this in verse 47 as well. Look at it. He says, he who comes to me and hears my words. So this is the second thing. This is point number two. If Jesus is Lord and we obey him, we will listen to Jesus. We will listen to Jesus. Kent Hughes wrote, hearing from God is not about an audible voice, but about a receptive heart. People listening to Jesus heard his words with their ears, but did not receive them in their hearts. Many people hear Jesus' words. Lots of people who hear Jesus' words in their head but not their heart would describe Jesus as a good moral teacher. Well, he is beyond that. If he is that, though, his good moral and wonderful teaching should be something that we then are willingly receiving, not just in our ears, but then in our lives. So we can say, yeah, I call you Lord, Lord, and I'm going to do what you say. The structure of our lives will stand and fall. It will depend on who Christ is to us and what we do with his words. The problem is, myself included, often, as Paul described in 2 Timothy, we would like to find things that are easier to hear. It's difficult sometimes to obey Jesus in all of the things that he wants to say to us. People don't listen to Jesus for all sorts of reasons. Not the least of which is that his teaching is hard sometimes. And it goes against what we see in our broken, sin-cursed, flesh-desire-driven world all around us. And so when the Lord speaks to you and you listen and it comes in your ears, do you let it get to your heart? In Matthew eleven fifteen, Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. So if God is giving you ears to hear, but not just to learn the information, but to receive it into your heart, well, then you're responsible to do something with that. And John 6 tells us that it's the Spirit who gives life. So if God, by his Spirit, is granting you life by giving you ears to hear and receive, the question is, what are you doing with what you're hearing from Jesus? What you're hearing from God's Word? Are you receiving it into your heart as what it is, the Word of God for you? Often, though, we sit in church and we listen with our ears but not with our hearts. Or we open God's Word maybe a couple times a week. We casually flip to where the last bookmark was and we read a little bit. And then we close it and we feel good about that. And we've called him Lord, Lord, but are we willing to obey? Have we even stopped to listen? Have we really received from him what he wants to say to us? What we do, sadly, is we listen to God's word, either taught like this or on our own, the same way we listen to pre-flight safety announcements on a flight. I was on a plane a little while ago, just a couple weeks ago, and I just confessed to all of you when they said, 
Please look up here and pay attention. I looked at the window and ignored them completely. I noticed an exit sign on the way in. I'm pretty sure the ground's going to glow. And if we're sinking, there's something under my seat I'm pretty sure that will help me float, correct? So what we do is we sit there and we're like, I don't know if I really, I can hear it, but I'm not really paying attention. I can figure it out. That's fine for aviation failure. That's not okay for eternity, right? We need to hear what the Lord has for us. The context of Luke 6, Jesus has been saying some things. He has been preaching. He has been coming to these people with some heavy things where they're going to have to say, if he's Lord, if he really is Lord, I'm going to have to do those things. And Jesus calls them out at the end. He's like, you can't call me Lord, Lord now and not do what I say. I've said some stuff. And if I really am Lord, it's going to be evident in your life. Now, no one is arguing that this world isn't a mess and it isn't broken. And Jesus here, he's showing up in these people's lives and he's saying, this is the pattern of how you are to live life. We have God's word that reveals to us the pattern of how we are to live life. And Jesus is our ultimate solution. He made a way for us at the cross. If we believe in him, he died to show his love for us and his trustworthiness. So now the question becomes, will we listen? The application to this point is this. Listen. That's it. It's not more complicated than that. But listening is not just something that you do with your ears. It's something that you need to do with your heart. And if you hear God's word with your ears and receive it into your heart, it will change you. You will take the teachings of Jesus seriously and the standards for your life will be different. A good Christian is a person who depends completely on God, aware of their own spiritual brokenness, hungry for the presence of God. A good Christian then loves people who do not love them. A good Christian is not judgmental or harsh or critical. A good Christian then will in humility seek to help others conscious of their own need for grace and the need of grace in others' lives. The good Christian will seek to develop a good and generous character that will live a life pleasing and glorifying to God. But that doesn't happen if we're not willing to hear what Jesus has to say to us. If we're intentionally ignoring what Jesus says to us. So if Jesus is speaking to you this morning, if he is giving you ears to hear and by his spirit in John 6, you are listening the question is, what will you do with what Jesus, with what God is prompting you to? Jesus goes on and he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my word, and then in the end of verse 47 there, he says, and does them. This is the third imperative. This is the third point is we have to just do what Jesus says. So we have to come to him. We have to listen to him, but then we also need to do what he says. This is the end of lip service. This is the end of appearances. This is the end of playing church. This is where your faith grow feet and you begin to walk in a manner worthy of the one who has called you. So many people, so many people want the saving work of Jesus, but they don't want the changing work of Jesus. In Romans 6, it says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? If our faith is true, then our obedience must be real. If our love for Jesus is genuine, 
then our obedience and our following him will be increasing. It's in this doing, it's in this acting out, in this obeying and following him in his commandments that we prove that we are his disciples. Obedience is how we follow Jesus. For Jesus' disciples, when he's walking around with them on earth, they can follow him around, actively follow him. We don't have him that way to follow around anymore, but he has given us his word with complete direction for all scenarios of life. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then you must be an obeyer of Jesus. Obedience is how we follow Jesus. Obedience is foundational then for how we live our lives according to God's correct plan for how we're to make decisions. Because the storms are going to come, the floods are going to rise, and this is what God has given us to hold on to. Belief and faith in him and walking in obedience to him. We can't call him Lord and not do what he says. That is hypocritical. And the only ones that we're deceiving are ourselves. When Jesus says, Lord, he is pointing us to submitting to his authority as best. A lot of us would say that. Yes, his authority is best. But we prove whether we really believe that with our obedience or with our disobedience. And a life that's walking in obedience to him, well, Jesus says, this is what it's like. Verse 48, he's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Your life then begins to be this strong, sturdy, those words well built literally mean correctly strengthened. So it's not to say that difficulty and challenge aren't going to come into your life, but you have a firm foundation when they come. And I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want to know where security is found when difficulty comes, when the storms arise, when sickness hits your family, when financial difficulty comes, when controversies arise, when the sins of others hurt and you don't know what to do. I want to know how to be correctly strengthened. And the way that we are correctly strengthened is by submitting to the Lord and following his plan and his path and walking in obedience. It's one thing to call him Lord. It's another thing then to obey him. If Jesus is your Lord, if Jesus is your Savior, and there is no other way under heaven given among men by which we can be saved, then we must do what he says. We must go after him. He has proved his trustworthiness and his reliability. Philippians 2, you can read all about it. He loves us enough that he comes down from heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he takes on our sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is trustworthy, he has proven our love. And so Jesus says in John 14.15, if you love me then, you will keep my commandments. If we love Jesus, if we genuinely love Jesus, it will be evident in the keeping of his commandments, in the walking in obedience. We will call him Lord and we will obey him. But obedience alone doesn't save us. It has to flow from a genuine heart. This is where you have people who just try and do things to check boxes to make it so it looks like they're doing what God wants, but they don't believe in Jesus. Jesus saves you by grace through faith. But the evidence of that being genuine will be in a life of obedience. 
You're like, how do you know that? Write this verse down. You can look it up later. It's amazing. John 3.36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's how you're forgiven of sin. That's how you're rescued. That's how you're saved, through belief in Jesus. But Jesus goes on and says, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. So the belief should lead to an obedience. If the obedience is there, or if the obedience is not there, then the belief probably isn't there. But the wrath of God remains on him. Let me read it again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see that life, though. But rather, the wrath of God remains on him. So, believe in Jesus and obey him. Well, that's not easy sometimes. In fact, if you go through Luke 6 in this Sermon on the Plain, I'll just briefly give you some synopsis of some of the things that Jesus was saying that were not easy to live out. In verse 28, he said, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. In verse 30, Do not give demanding in return. Really? Verse 35, Love your enemy and lend freely. Verse 36, Be merciful. Verses 37 and 39, Um, Judge not others. Verse 42, worry about your own sin before the sins of others. Now, all of those things, none of them are easy to do. All of them are challenging. But he will help us. He loves us. He cares for us. Every time you hear the word of God, and it is authentically moving your heart by the spirit of God, respond. Do not ignore it. You must resolve. We must make the decision. We must have the conviction that we will act upon it. There is no point in procrastinating obedience to the Lord. Let me say that again. There is no point in procrastinating obedience to the Lord. When God calls us to obey and we do it, we walk further down the road of discipleship. We walk further down the path of pleasing and honoring to him. We are not the kind of people who he says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? We are the people who call him Lord and do what he says, whose life is lived fixed on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And it'll be evident in our coming to him, in our listening to him, and in our doing what he says. Now, so far we've only talked about verses 46 through 48, and there's still this one more verse we have to look at. So far, we've looked at the person who has the firm foundation. But our passage today, it kind of ends with this, this warning. And Jesus, he puts it in this illustration. So let me read verse 49 again. But the one who hears and does not do them, the, de- the them there, if you're an English studier, which you should be to read God's word, is referring back up to the words of God, the words that he has given. So, but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. That's a bad plan. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So, these people are hearing the word of God and not doing them. That's a scary place to be. That's willfully ignoring. That's intentionally disobeying. That is foundationless living. And the result will be falling. It will be a great ruin in eternity for sure, but also here and now. 
because we have no parameter and no structure and no guidance on how we're to live and walk through life. So our last point is this. It's really a warning. Warning, disregarding and disobedience leads to destruction. Disregarding and disobedience leads to destruction. You're like, disregarding and disobeying what? All things Jesus. If we disregard or disobey anything that comes from him, it is going to lead to our destruction. Not taking God seriously is a bad plan. Not listening to Jesus will not end well. Many people do this. Sadly, some of you are here now and you call him Lord and you will not do what he says. The end result will be an insufficient foundation for the trials and the difficulties and the challenges of this life and at that great moment of salvation, which won't come because you do not genuinely believe in Jesus. At the ultimate storm, there will be great ruin. And I don't say this to scare you, and I don't say this to make you try and go out and do things to make God pleased with you. I say this because God's word is calling us to call him Lord, to trust in him, to put our hope and our dependence and our faith into him, and then to live it, to live for him. G.K. Chesterton said, the Christian life has not been tried and found wanting. No, it has been found difficult and left untried. It is not always going to be easy to live for Jesus. But if we call him Lord and don't obey him, we make the word Lord meaningless. We're saying, you're my savior, but I'm not willing to do any of the things that you want, and, I all, and it's, it's all on our terms then. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you think you could just hear God's word or just say things, that sound Christian-y, but not live it out. Jesus is revealing here to us in verse 46 that if you call him Lord, it will be evident in your life. Faith giving evidence in the works, giving evidence in the fruit of our lives. The saddest thing is that the person here in verse 49, they think everything's good. They're hearing the words. They're building a house. It just has no foundation. So, life begins to fall apart. Jesus has something for you. Trials come, streams break, the waves crash, the wind blows, and they will. We live in a broken, sin-cursed world. Jesus never says, if you love me, if you obey me, everything will be perfect and easy for the rest of your life. That's not what he says. In fact, his way is narrow, but it leads to life. And his way is best, and it is the firm foundation on which we can build our lives. So we need to go to him. We need to listen. We need to not disregard. We need to not disobey. One commentator wrote this. I read this this week. Obedience to Jesus' teaching is an essential requirement of Christian discipleship. Our obedience does not earn us God's forgiveness or acceptance. No one will obey their way to heaven, period. God saves sinners by grace alone, through faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. It is accompanied by obedience that comes from faith. For those of us who follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and it's my heart and the heart of this church that we all would be in that place, we need to live lives that bear fruit, that walk in obedience to the Lord, that prioritize him. The reward might always not seem immediate, 
But there is a security in knowing that you are on God's plan, that you are tracking with what God has said and called you to, and your faith and reliance is in him. And someday, when the great storm, the great trial, the great judgment, that great moment comes, you have hope and peace. There will not be great ruin for you because your faith is in Jesus. And it is evident to you and to those around you. But for those, verse 49 who hear and do not do, who disregard and disobey, there will be destruction. So what's the answer for us? What do do we do with this? Three things, they come from verse 47. We go after Jesus. We listen to Jesus and we do what he says. If the Lord is speaking to you and impressing upon your heart the prioritizing of him, the responding to him, I would say to you, do not ignore him. Make him Lord and obey. In, in some ways, I love how vague we can be right now. I don't even need to know exactly what the Lord, by his spirit, is impressing upon your heart that you are not listening to him about. We don't have to put a list up of sin or of doubt or of ways that you are not living pleasing to him. You know how that behavior has crept into your life. And he is saying to you, and I am encouraging to you, you, by God's word, by the Holy Spirit, to obey him. You know the sin that needs to stop. You know the disobedience that needs to change. You know the faith that needs to be exercised. You know the grace that needs to be given or the prayers that need to be prayed. The question is, will you do it? Will we do it? Will we walk in obedience or will we just call him Lord, Lord, and not do what he says? If our foundation is firm and fixed on Jesus, we will do what he says because he genuinely is Lord. And we believe in him and he is our firm foundation. Let me pray. God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this story, this picture, this illustration that Jesus gave, Lord, to help us understand how futile and foolish it is to try and live life without you live life not depending on you, live life not trusting you. So God, we ask and pray, Lord, that right now you would help us. Help us to resolve to trust you. Help us to live for you. Help us to come after you regularly, to make you a priority, to not just hear and ignore, but to hear and respond, to hear and to do. Because we have understood the love that you have for us. We have understood the grace and the work of forgiveness and salvation that you have made possible. God, we love you. And I pray that if you are working in the lives and the hearts of brothers and sisters right now, giving them ears to hear, Lord, you would impress truth upon their heart as you have mine, that we would change, that we would call you Lord, and we would obey you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.